If you want to do something stupid and survive, put your brain in the line of fire from a high-energy proton beam from a particle accelerator, just like Anatoly Bugorsky did in 1978. Welcome to two thirds. Well, who the fuck are you, and why did you look like? You? <laughs> <laughs> he broke the internet. He was so angry. He broke the internet. <laughs> oh, and so, then he froze, and then he immediately froze. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, too loud <laughs> suddenly. So, but yeah, why the fuck do you look like that? No, first of foremost, hello Marcel. Hello, hello Marcel. Welcome. <laughs> Happy to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sorry for stealing the show. It was never planned like this. Well, uh, okay. I'm not on my part. I'm their part, apparently. Takes the spotlight <laughs> off of me. <laughs> yeah. We have to explain a little bit, though. Yes, I, I guess I should start with that. Uh, so on, on Monday, I got a phone call from a production company saying, hey, we need someone to step in and do swing dancing in front of cameras because they're making a TV show about the royal family. Yeah. And apparently there's not many people who are comfortable in front of cameras, look young enough and can swing dance. And despite me being partially getting gray, that's more or less showing up. Um, I, I was hired to do swing dancing in a TV production on nice. Tuesday. And for that, I had to get a haircut and I needed to shave my beard. Okay, so they were, we need you, we need your dancing skills, but all of this is a no-go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I walked in for a costume uh, fit and uh, like very stereotypical gay hairdresser walked up and was like, all of that? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you look great. <laughs> I, I told you um, offline, but yeah. I, I think you look great. And yeah. with you. your That's costume good. on, was it was perfect. The picture was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it felt kind of cool, but I haven't been to a proper hairdresser in at least five years. Yeah, we know. And yep. I, it's <laughs> we could tell <laughs> thank you that's very supportive uh and i think i don't think i've been, been clean shaven in like closer to eight years how do you feel though because it's a big change i feel your... naked okay it's very weird yeah, i keep yeah. touching my face and it's like no there's just skin here it's and it's stubbly and it's weird now so are you gonna grow it back yeah, but it's gonna take yeah. another eight years. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> it doesn't grow fast on me. That's a problem. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but that, that's nice. Okay, Marcel, uh, great to have you here. Yes, Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thank you for feeding me and bringing beers and right. <laughs> Very unhealthy uh, weekend. Yeah, well, I, I need one of those every once in a while. Good, that's great. Can you ask the traditional question, Raz? Say again. Can you ask the traditional question when we have a guest? So, yes. So for the good listeners out there who don't know you, what is a Marcel? Oh, shit. Can I swear? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, you can. You, you know, know us? Know. Yes, the fuck you can. Okay. <laughs> is this where I introduce myself or is yes. this a yeah. Yeah. creature I'm describing here? No, no, yourself. Okay, well... I am Marcel Teugels. I'm from Belgium and I'm a professional restorer of wooden heritage. And I'm also a craftsman in woodworking and blacksmithing. Yeah. So very shortly put, that is what I do. 
and what I do is pretty much wh who I am as well. So, um, yeah, that's my craft. Yeah, and I share it online also. Maybe that's a bit how I know you guys. Yeah, um, because I started sharing on Instagram and YouTube, and then I met some of the people that also share their passions online. And then we met through the the other podcast, the unmentionable, the, unmentionable yeah. the one we we don't podcast. <laughs> and then we met in Birmingham or Maker Central. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, you were the and first and second time. No, I think only the first time. Oh, first time, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then maybe some people at Maker Fair Hanover as well. Yeah, that's what's it. Okay. Yep. Um, but lately, I've been a little bit absent on every front like i stopped listening to many podcasts and i shared a little bit less but i'm happy that you people still remember who i am yeah of course yeah, yeah. Yeah. welcoming to my presence even though i've been a little bit um inactive when it comes to like the community yes yeah but whenever you do post something it's something epic like restoration of like half of a town or something <laughs> well not that big but but there's usually yeah. a lot of people involved sometimes sometimes yeah and that's maybe why i've been less um active because i for some reason i th i thought that i i could only make a post when it was like a finished project and and don't worry i've given him shit about it yeah, yeah thanks <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but recently I've been trying to make some more reels or short content to show what I've been doing, even though it's not a finished thing. Mm -hmm. um, just trying it out because I see other people do it, and I find it interesting to see what they're doing, even though it's like not really <coughs> much of anything. Mm -hmm. It's still interesting, so I was like, okay, maybe I can give it a try more and I should stop worrying that my Instagram feed is not like a perfect gallery mm. of finished products. That's very interesting because I had the, the same fear at the very beginning when I was starting um, my maker journey or being part of the community or whatever, how you call it. I was, I was in the same mindset of not sharing that much because I thought the process would not be very interesting or sh just showing the steps of my process would not be interesting to so many people or any anyone, in fact. Um, then I, I realized that people who are watching my videos and people who are member of the community are, are in fact interested in the different step and and when you show your progress on a project it's, it's always interesting because, oh how did he jump that that difficult part from step two to step three um that that also is very interesting so don't, don't I, I i mean my instagram feed is like not my feed but my, my page account is like random stuff uh sometimes projects sometimes stuff that i'm doing or things that are happening in my life so and I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one saying that we want to see more of you and and your work. So don't don't be scared of or afraid or or yeah. shy about sharing more because we want to see more. Honestly, yeah, very much so. And I I don't think I'm stepping too far out of line and saying that you might have fallen into the trap of overthinking it. Yeah, probably. 
Always. <laughs> Something we know. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But do please tell a little bit about how, where you are at now, because you told me quite a journey that you had yesterday while we were sitting outside having pizza and beer. Yeah, there's all kind of gunk in my beer, I see. Yeast. It's probably good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Because you started off studying, was it physiotherapy? Yeah, when I came out of secondary school, so you're 17, 18, mm. and you have to decide what you will do with your life, I just basically picked a, a study by process of elimination. So I, didn't, I, I knew I didn't want to do languages, no economics, I like science, but like not completely. And I like sports a little bit. So I just basically picked physical therapy because one of my good friends was doing it. It was similar to what I was doing at the time. But it was just out of necessity that I needed to pick something because university was a, a, a usual next step. Mm -hmm. um, because my upbringing was very regular. Just do your best at school, do the best you can try to get the highest degree possible. So it was a lot of expectations from your parents? I mean, not like there was high pressure, but okay. it's just the normal thing to do. Yeah. yeah. So I just picked something. And after failing miserably for two years, I decided that I had to stop trying to do this, this study because it wasn't working. And then it's actually my mother who discovered the study of conservation restoration at the University of Antwerp. And just hearing the title of the study was enough for me to completely convince me to change my life, uh, drop my old studies and move to a different city. Um, and this was actually probably like the best thing I could have done. And is the start of everything that I'm doing right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it started me on the path of being a, a maker and creating stuff and working with my hands. It's like a career path that I didn't, didn't think was possible to do it in like, uh, like the, yeah, the, the mainstream way of actually doing a study at university, but still getting to work with your hands a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's how I rolled into it. And then the hobby grew out of that. Um, I'm going over this really quickly, but by doing woodworking and learning about the history of woodworking, I learned about the tools and then I needed a blacksmith to make me the tools that you can't really buy anymore today, mm -hmm. like the historical hewing axes and stuff. They were very hard to find. So I needed to learn how to blacksmith. Um, so then I did a workshop and I rolled, rolled into blacksmithing for tool making, but now it also progressed into more than just tool making and I do architectural work or hardware or stuff like that. So it's, it's basically failing at my first study before I, before finding my, my true passion. And then it kind of snowballed until right now being self-employed and yeah, loving what I do actually. So that's the proof. If one was needed, that failure is good. Yeah. It can be good if you if find I, your path by, by failing the, the, the studies that you started. It's, it's yeah. perfect. My best friend that studied the same thing with me, like the physical therapy, he mm -hmm. um, did continue with the study. He struggled yeah. through it the five years mm -hmm. and he graduated as a physical therapist. And when I asked him when he graduated, 
it told me I don't really want to be a physical therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is like super sad. And then he started working for like a bank or something. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of almost heartbreaking to see that. And yeah, yeah. that's why I, I consider myself so very lucky to have found something that you can really be passionate about. Then, then I would argue you never failed at becoming a physiotherapist. You just succeeded at discovering that that's not for you. Right. You well, can look at it that way. Yeah. It's like a positive spin on it. <laughs> yeah. what, what you said, Marcel, is interesting because you, you said that your mother actually discovered that there was this, that, that studies um, yeah. at university and, and it, it spoke to you instantly. Yes. Just, just title. Um, just to talk a little bit about me, because that's a subject that I, I know the, the most. Um, uh, when I met my wife, we had many discussions about the future, what we wanted to be. Um, and in one of our talk, we had this um, common uh, um, admiration for restoration of old paintings or furniture or stuff like that. And we had no idea that's that was an option when we decided to study something, when we had to enter university. So uh, is it the same? Is it, is it something that you didn't know about when you had to choose or nobody knows about it because it's like kept as a big secret because the, the spots are, are counted. There's, there's a, a, a few people that can do that kind of studies at the university. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. Um, I didn't know that you could study restoration, conservation. Um, I thought you became a restorer after being an antique dealer for 30 years or yeah. working in a museum for 20 years and you just learn it on the job. Yeah. That's how I thought restorers became restorers. Um, turns out there was a study. Um, in Belgium, there are three places where you can study it. Only one of them is in Flemish, so my, my mother language. Mm -hmm. um, so there's one in Brussels and one in Liège, so the French speaking, and then there's one in Antwerp. Um, and the year that I started, it was the first year that it changed from um, art academy to university, mm -hmm. um, which also meant that they dropped the entrance exams. Okay because usually there is uh, an entrance exam. And then I guess this is how they control the number of students yeah. that can apply. But uh, for university, they didn't do it. So we started the year with 65 students mm -hmm. in the first year. Um, I guess that's still quite a low number because it's, I guess it remains a little bit of an unknown study. Mm. Um, and we graduated in the masters maybe with 14 in the end oh wow yeah. yeah um so i guess you're right we didn't we didn't know it was an option um, mm -hmm. and we were just lucky enough to find it but you, you said it was the same year you started that they dropped the entrance exam yeah so wow that's pretty lucky 13 mm -hmm. yes um but the change from academy to university brought also a lot of other changes and especially because it was the first year of change the study was very unorganized um they dropped a lot of the practical hours mm -hmm. it's 
needed to be more academic to be part of the university. So the, the focus shifted from like training a lot with your hands mm-hmm. to being more academic, try to do scientific papers um, and research, which is all fine. But I hear now the things about the school that it's even getting more extreme. And now there is almost no practical training. Oh, um, that's only, weird. So it's yeah. more like evaluating than actual. Well, yeah, they're gonna make a, they're gonna make it a different job. They're gonna make some like maybe like a conservator, restorer, consultant who just knows theory and then has to mm. have contacts with craftsmen who are not um, educated on a university level. Okay. Very weird. But it's a very big problem because now yeah. you get the, the system where there's people in charge that have to make decisions and they have no practical experience and they put demands on the craftsmen that are not realistic or things that, yeah. doesn't, that don't work. So in a few years, probably it's going to be an issue where, like in many countries, there's a, a lack of skilled yeah. um, laborers or skilled craftspeople. And restores is going to be one of them. It's weird to just ask people to have theoretical knowledge about something. It's just like it, if, if a, let's say, a Japanese teacher would know anything about Japanese grammar, but was unable to speak Japanese, and, or just and, read and write and not pronounce things. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 really weird because uh, here we have. I mean, here in France, we have. Um, art studies and you learned everything about art like hmm. a different period a different painter a different styles and everything but you don't you never put your hand on any painting to restore them or any furniture or any old piece of art that needs restoration that's a completely different uh, job right so yeah it's it's kind of weird to see this shift in like people who are training in order to be um, craftsmen, in order to, to preserve and save these piece of, pieces of art and, and people would just have the theoretical knowledge about, hey, yeah, I know who painted that. I mean, it's just like <laughs> I, I, the, the guys that can smell wine and tell you exactly the year, the, the way it, 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 mm. it grew. And then it doesn't mean that the, the wine is good. It, you know everything about it by testing it. Okay, that's great. But Can you say that this is good? Uh, would I like it if I taste it? It's kind of the same thing, I think. So it, yeah, yeah. It, it feels strange for, for me, um, especially as a teacher, to see these changes happening in and, and jobs disappearing because it, it, that's where it's going, probably. I, I think for each of us as a maker, though, it's happening more and more, though. Yeah. It's the same with um, engineering, with like 3D drawings. Mm. Like back when I had my apprenticeship, I knew for a fact that all the engineers had to go down on the shop floor and start assembling the machines, not yeah. just the ones they engineered, but also like the ones that sh- <clears throat> showed them into their job or just like an entry into the job. And um, that's gotten less and less from a lot of companies I've known. So you got engineers engineering, like designing a machine, which is great and efficient but for a service engineer it's still a living living hell <laughs> because they can't actually open anything 
I'm sorry that I'm stuttering a little bit because the picture is just cutting in and out at the moment. Whenever I talk, my internet connection is absolutely potato today. <laughs> Looks all right for us. Okay, good. Because I disconnected already like three times. Oh. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. We can pause and, and keep on going after I show an issue with internet. Anyway. No, that's, that's okay. It's been acting up for a while now. And it's okay. it really is the internet. There's not anything is loading. So I'm just happy it's working at the moment. That's what happens when you download 20 movies at the same time you're doing a hangout. I'm not even downloading anything. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> is your wife playing online at the moment? No, no, no. no it's it's right really. I think it's something in the area. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's weird. No, it's called Vodafone. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair Where enough. is the German quality gone? <laughs> I'm no, no. I'm I'm gonna start. I'm gonna get an attention <laughs> if I start with that at the moment. <laughs> That's why I I was trying to to. Yeah. Yeah to do but yeah anyway how was your week Jan? i'm busy okay that's pretty much all there is to say about it it's um i'm two days away from the great exhibition or the like the, the big one in hanover yeah so i'm just freakishly busy i had to do a visitor uh, a customer visit mm -hmm. that's words it's difficult slept yeah. actually last night um so i went up to wetzlar which is like 350 kilometers i guess um I had a short appointment there, went to a trade show as a visitor, not to actually like show anything. And I headed back today. Tomorrow I have to go to work, um, pack my car for the exhibition because I have to take some demo cases up. And then the evening, I'm probably going to spend the evening, to be honest, like washing and repacking again, because then I'm going to be gone for like straight seven to eight days. Wow. Yeah, so Saturday morning I'm leaving for the exhibition. So the next time actually is going to be the one where you're going to see me at the hotel room for for the yeah. um, podcast. And then I'm just going to be up there till like including Sunday and then I head back. But then I yeah. just have one more week till I'm finally on vacation with Steph. Yeah, shut up. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going back to Thailand every single time. What's the fun in that? Well, that was out of necessity still good though you know what the best thing about thailand is uh yeah but i can't you can, tell. You can leave yeah it's it's not being here in germany at the moment oh, okay yeah. or, more, or more precisely at work why oh at work yeah okay. because because it's just freaking chaotic at the moment most of the stuff we're doing right now wouldn't be that complicated if a few few people would have started thinking about stuff earlier oh, okay yeah so, are you are you going back to the same area in Thailand, or are you visiting? No, uh, I don't know where I'm going to Thailand. I oh, fact, no you're going to Thailand without any plan. Yeah, Steph and I got the flights. <laughs> nice. We That's arrive. Great. At, we arrive at seven o'clock or six o'clock in the morning, and as soon as we have all the like, yeah, we get our bags and then get we. The luggage. Yeah, we're gonna just gonna check for the weather because it's the end of the raining season, so we don't know how the weather's gonna be. Oh. There might be some like typhoons or some at least bad weather around in the yeah, southern parts and sometimes up north. So we're just gonna check that <laughs> the weather, <laughs> the rain right now, and yeah. then we're gonna decide where we go. That's nice. Yeah. So Raz, why are you at Marcel's? Uh, because. For I'm beer? going to a concert in the Netherlands on... Well, beer helps. No, I'm going to a concert on, in the Netherlands on Saturday. 
Okay. Uh, so I did a brilliant decision of figuring out, well, well if I'm going to travel into Europe for a few days, why not travel for a few more days? Yeah. And then great. I could hang out with Marcel. Yeah. And we can have a play in the forge. And He's going to teach you how to blacksmith. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've actually been very productive today. What have you done? Were we? Well, productive-ish then. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, oh. we, we, we helped fix up the um, forge hood for you. Or move it a little bit and get a new flu in or chimney flu thing. Nice. Yeah. Traction, air, moving, vacuum, words. Okay. We were very good, I think. Like well, it was the work that needed to be done for months already, but I needed like a second person to help me. Yeah. Um, so it was very helpful. And then we fixed some, my pedal, my guess, no, my uh, pedal for the gas, no, the airflow. Uh, yeah. The airflow thing for the um, coal forge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's still blowing okay. too, too hard. Too much air is coming through. So my fire is going full power almost when I close the, the vent all the way I close it. Yeah. Mm. So it's difficult to control um, the heat. Yeah. We were, we were trying to do some forge welding stuff and I had to keep turning the fan off mm -hmm. while trying to get it up to forge welding heat because it was too much air going in. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's uh, so it might be a blower that was designed to <clears throat> work on maybe two or three forges even. Mm -hmm. And now it's connected just to one. Okay. So it's moving a lot of air. Um, yeah. And we sort of figured out that, yeah, no, the, the best way of doing this is to just be there with the switch and just flick it off and on. And yeah. Yeah. try to just control and be very diligent about where you place things and how long you let it stay on and not lose your steel in the pile of red hot or like white burning coals. Yeah. Produce glow sticks. Yeah. Spark um, spark sparkly glow sticks. Yeah. Re it's really pretty to look at, but doesn't make good access. Yeah. Um, you could also just, you said it was, it used to be for like three forges. Mm. You could just add ducting maybe guide one towards like the hair so you get that cinematic moves where you see the hair, hair like blowing in the wind while you're hammering the iron or getting the iron out of the fire <laughs> would be good yeah, yeah, know, yeah. very practical yeah. <laughs> no but seriously um can can you um use a potentium uh how do you call it potentiometer yeah thank you that was or the word, words. Or something. yeah we basically just need something to uh slow down the fan Preferably, I think, to half of what it's going at now. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, you, you, I have no idea about these things. I'm just tossing words at you and hoping something sticks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> something needs to happen to make it less powerful. So probably it's going to be like a variable frequency drive or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to do some research, research about that. It's just some... I'm sorry, um, didn't mean to interrupt you. Is there some ducting going to it, or is it just directly connected on the bottom? Like, no, it's the motor is like underneath the the fire pot. Okay, so it's blowing directly into the yeah. into the yeah. coal forge. So okay. okay, I guess you could like add some kind of ducting in between and move it a bit away, and yeah. But I think maybe having the the power. Be variable would be much uh, more usable also in the future for other things. Probably. Um, like 
in my shop, the previous renter, they, they had one on the wall. Um, if I could do something similar, maybe it could help with other machines as well. Yeah. Because I'm still uh, switching the plugs, so maybe for another machine it's also usable. Yeah, yeah. that could be it. What's the band you're going to see, Raz? Uh, Aerion. I think I focused on them before at some point. Yeah, yeah you talked you about did. it before. Yeah. Yeah, really cool, really epic. Uh, sort of, I think what happens when you have a crazy Dutch composer who is really into symphonic and prog metal, mm -hmm. and he wants to create an opera. Wow. I think that's a very easy way of describing it. And I'm waiting to hear Marius shout at me in the future for misrepresenting his favorite band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. But yes, um, he, he, Adrian Lucas, the man behind the whole concept, is basically just a composer. So he just have had this idea and he creates albums that are a concept and tell a story. And mm -hmm. then he's been asking other artists to come and play parts on this and do the vocals of this character and sing backing here and do drums and bass and all of the other things. Okay. Uh, at the last time we were at the concert uh, with him because also he hates traveling. So mm -hmm. all the concerts with this concept is in Tilburg in Netherlands. Okay. Because he can drive there from his home without hitting too much traffic. And it's like nice. once a year and they just have one weekend with all concerts. I think it's five concerts in four in three days or something this year. Yeah. And last year it's kind of the same deal. And I think at most there was like 19 like front persons from various heavy metal bands and power groups on stage at the same time. Nice. Yeah. And dude, like Brian Johnson from Iron Maiden, he has been singing yeah. parts. He wasn't there last year, but he has been doing parts earlier. Uh, Flor Janssen and her sister from Nightwish, they've been singing backup. It's like, that's the level we're at. Like night, the, the vocalist yeah. and the sister of the vocalist from Nightwish shows up to do backing. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So it's pretty cool. cool. And last year yeah. it was like this kind of, three hour long show that was just super epic and yeah. they had like this they had planned to have an interlude with just piano playing so that people could go to the bathroom and go have wide more drinks i didn't see a fucking person that moved everybody was just petrified and looking at the stage just absolutely <laughs> captivated. yeah so i'm really looking forward to seeing it that's nice yeah okay cool how about your regret uh, 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 busy? That was a week, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, the busy, the, the guy. Um, so the timeline of the podcast will be a bit weird because I mentioned that in a future episode. So don't ask. Uh, but the guy is. The guy is um, You're spoiling everything now. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Uh, the guys uh, came uh, on Monday and left uh, today, which is mm. Thursday uh, when we are recording, um, to change the windows. Ooh. So they, it took them four days to change all the windows of the apartment, which there are not so many. There are five windows and a big uh very very big windows uh window uh you can walk through when you open it <laughs> i don't know what it's called um but, a sliding glass door for the yeah. for the veranda yeah balcony. for the balcony yeah those 
things um and they did a very very good job actually uh nothing to to say about them they were nice and they, they were very professional were they you know how... no no they're french Why? well that's you that's yeah absolutely <laughs> my point that's why i'm mentioning it <laughs> no, no they were great um but you know how it goes when you have you have contractors at home um mm. you can't i can't sit still uh, yeah. and and do nothing or just work on the computer um reason being uh, they had to cut the power from time to time so it yeah. made no sense to be on the computer for five or well, ten minutes and and then be like man what do i do now mm. um so i tried to help them as much as i could by moving stuff uh out of their way and cleaning and and just looking at them working was very um interesting to see yeah. the whole process because it was the first time for me to see people um, changing windows and apparently there is many ways to do that you can just remove the, the the moving parts of the window and keep the frame and build on the frame a new a new window uh, that's not what we we asked them to do uh, we asked them to remove everything so all the the old window was gone, and so I was able to see the actual building wall and everything in between. And so it, it was a very interesting process to see. And then we discovered, but it was not news for me, but they discovered that um, the electricity in the apartment was done by a, the fuckhead. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we had to... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I warned them. Say, yeah, when I did the apartment, I had to do a little bit of fixing, but not where they were working at the time. So we had to figure out uh, the three of us together why there was running purple fucking wires along the walls. It made no sense to use purple wire. So I had to remove a lot of parts of the wall <laughs> to find where they came from and where they were going. Uh, but they're gone now because the, it was useless. But yeah, it kept us busy, busy for, for a while. Uh, but yeah, no, the, that, that's pretty much my week because other than that, I was working on a, on a custom um, leather thing for a client. Uh, no, no, no! It's just a the hat, a cowboy hat. Uh, that I, I I make a bunch of them for clients. Ooh. So I had a new client uh, asking for one. So I'm, uh, I've done that. Uh, also working on a quiver. Still working on a quiver for my son because it's a Ooh. lot of fucking work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then the windows and everything in between the life and and things and also taking sometimes off to watch the rugby world cup uh, because because that's fun that's uh once every four years i'm not a super big rugby fan but uh, i like watching good games uh when when they are on uh and i've i've watched uh, a few good games uh, this week mm. so yeah that was very interesting it was uh but yeah it, the week went by very very quickly um, and also because, also because I did some changes in my life, so to speak, I started yeah. to apply the decision that I made this summer, and that's probably something we'll uh, talk more in details um, in a future episode. But maybe next week. 
or maybe next week why not uh but yeah 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 it's uh it's good and it, it improved stuff yeah the, the time is the perception of time was very different so yeah I, i'll talk about that probably uh, yeah i'm looking forward to that next time mm-hmm. yeah same here uh marcel i have a question because you mentioned that you you are wood restorer and and that i i think that's the way you you phrased it yeah so your specialty is to work on on wood furniture that's the main part of your business or your job yes well not only furniture but but not only right yeah that's why i say wood restorer and not the furniture restorer can you explain a little bit what you are doing on a daily basis Well, the good thing, one of the beautiful things about my job is that it's very varied. Mm-hmm. So all all the projects are very different from each other. Um, and I specify as wood restore and not furniture because it can also be sculpture. It can be like an, an African sculpture or a Western sculpture with polychromy. So painting mm-hmm. over the wooden sculpture. But I also work on windmills and big roof constructions Wow, okay. I work on church interiors. Um, um, so basically, if it's made out of wood, it's possible that I work on it. Um, depending if it's not too specialized, sometimes it's really highly specialized. And then maybe you can find someone who is even more specialized in this specific thing. Okay. Um, so what I do most of the time, it is actually furniture. Okay. Especially when I was working with this other company that hired me a lot uh, as a subcontractor, they got a lot of high-end furniture clients um, that have like um, Bula style furniture mm-hmm. or marquetry or um, yeah, just very beautiful antique furniture. Yeah. Um, and then besides that, I also work for like, government institutions or museums okay. uh, or antique dealers. I don't do a lot of private work actually okay. for private owners. Um, I guess that just because they don't really know how to find me mm-hmm. because I don't have a website or anything like that. I just have my social media pages. Mm. Okay. Um, But you have gotten a few clients through that, right? Yes. Um, recently, I made a video about one of my projects. So I guess my, my social media content has changed a little bit from like <clears throat> my personal projects to now more focusing on my work projects. Um, and two of those have been um, when I was creating a gate for a field and um, a water well that I've been restoring. Mm-hmm. And there was a person, a Belgian person, who saw the rest, the creation of this field gate that I made, which is like a, a regional style from a place in Flanders. I think you need to explain how that looks. I mean, it is on your YouTube channel, right? Yeah, it is on my YouTube channel, um, which is just my name, Marcel Teugel, so you can find it. We'll, we'll leave the links appropriate places. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a big field gate that um, is used to grant access to a field that is used for animals or for uh, crops. Yeah. Um, And it's a special type of gate that is using a complete tree 
uh, and preferably with the root ball of the tree still attached to it. So in my case, the tree was about uh, eight meters long and had um, a small root ball still attached mm. to it. Um, and the reason for using this tree with the root ball is because the gate opening is very wide. So the gate opening was four meters, 80 centimeters. Oh, wow. yeah. Um, so if you would use a more traditional garden gate, um, because it's so long, it will want to sag at the end of the gate. Mm -hmm. um, and to combat this, um, there is an option to use a complete tree that is like pivoting on a central post. Mm -hmm. So you use the root ball of the tree to offset the weight of the gate and to stop the sagging. So it keeps it level. Um, but because this root ball in my case was not that big, I also attached an extra weight, which is usual to see in these types of gates. Usually it's like uh, another log that is like screwed on it or whatever, or like a cement block. Um, but I chose to use a, a natural stone and attach it with iron bands and forged iron nails Yeah, just to keep it looking, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I thought it yeah. was a much uh, better option, but it is more work and it's much more difficult. But aesthetically, it's it's much much better, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is the gate that I've been building. Um, it's all out of Robinia wood. It, I think it's um, black locust in English. Is, which is a very um, strong wood, so very rot resistance. It can be in the ground untreated for mm -hmm. 50 years or longer. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's really good uh, for outside projects. So I have a, a client who saw this video and contacted me. Um, and we talked about the options and they're going to order a second gate. So I will make a second one. Nice. So I guess it pays off to make these YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. sometimes you might be thinking like, what am I doing? Or who is watching a video 20 minutes of taking bark of a tree? But, I was. Yeah, I, was. I, guess, <laughs> yeah. I guess some people still get something out of it. Yeah. So I'm happy that that confirmed that some people care about the stuff that I care about. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love how he says like also I had to learn how to blacksmith and if you look at your Instagram you see those wonderfully forged tools mm -hmm. and also that um how do you call that the um iron the, the the crossing with the eyelets the what with the eyelets um it's kind of like a not net what's the term for it um, oh yeah like the um the so grill the screen or oh grill. when you have pass through of uh, when you yeah. drift the hole and you pass the bar through itself yeah yeah, yeah. i think so yeah that was one of my um my my better projects that i did during my apprenticeship so i did like two major works and this was one of them and then the little uh window grills that yeah. we saw in my shop mm -hmm. today were also one of the better works that i did in France, in Lyon, there is uh, a gate made on the same principle, and people visit uh, Lyon uh, especially to see that gate. So yeah, it's 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 great work actually. It's, it's especially that one, but 
the thing that you do is, is I, I think interesting because it's a it, it's a different way of doing it like you don't always use use uh, the the power tools or mm. uh, modern method to reach your goal and 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 do what you have to do so it's a different way of doing things and yeah. that's also what is interesting um i also have to say like there's a lot of things that you've been doing that i have never done hmm. uh, like yeah I've, i've been blacksmithing for a decade and you've been going at it for is it four years five years yeah something like that And like you have gone through, I think more of an education in blacksmithing than I ever got at least in a formalized uh, way. Yeah. What what exactly? What product are you thinking of? Like the window grill, where you oh. drift the holes. And I mean, I know the techniques for it. Yeah. I've just never actually put all of them together mm-hmm. so many times into one projects, where you sort of you really fuck up if you destroy one of those mm. drifted square holes. Mm-hmm. In theory, I know how to do that. I just never done it in a complete way. Right. So you probably me, never had the occasion or the need to do so, right? As well. Yeah, and and that's that's kind of it. Um, that's one of the things that I mean, partially because I I haven't felt comfortable in my skill in doing that. So it's mm-hmm. never something I have done to show off and then offer a client. I've never had anyone who specifically asked for it. Because it is the most expensive way to fit bars of steel together, especially yeah. if the alternative is to use the MIG welder and just spray some liquid metal in there. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's never something that I've done to that complex degree, mm. and it is something I feel like I should know how to do, and I need to learn and practice that. Mm. Especially because I'm technically writing the school book on blacksmithing now, so yeah. it needs to be in there, and I need to know how to explain it, and I need how to do it with. Um, with like accuracy and uh, authority, I guess that's the word. Mm-hmm. Is there? I mean, I don't. I don't think the um, how to how to say that. I'd phrase that correctly. Uh, is that often in your mind, guys, that you are required to use many different high-level skills that you have, you know, to complete a project? I'm not sure. I'm 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 clear enough. My my question is a little bit uh, like like you feel like if we think it's a requirement to do difficult things just to show how good we are. Not not no not that. But um, okay. when when I when a client asks me to to make something, mm. it's not often that the thing that I need to make for my client, even though it's client custom. Uh, client required custom work so it's something that he had in mind and say mm, can you make me that and say, yeah i can try mm-hmm. but it's not the, the often that the project are that demanding in difficult skills right it, it's usually two or three basic skills that you put together but it's not like the very ch- challenging Uh, a project it, it, that can happen, but it, it's really rare. It's one one in a while, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, or m- maybe it's just me. What do you think, guys? Is, is that often that you are faced to uh, you have to to challenge yourself in putting together all the skills that you have in order to create the project that you are required to to, to produce? I I feel like I'm getting more and more of them. But I think that's also 
a little bit of me suggesting to the client that here's a way we can do it. Mm -hmm. And here's the reasons why I would like to do it this way. And it's like, I keep uh, in my mind, I'm thinking this is something that would be fun, a fun challenge to do for mm -hmm. me technically. And I think I have the skills now to do it, but it's also like, well, historically and most accurately. And if you want this to be more traditional, here's mm -hmm. the way we're going to do this. We could cheat and we could save a lot of money, but then it would start to look more like something mass produced and less handmade. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. something I could tell a client to try to sell them, quote unquote, on the concept of more traditional, more advanced techniques. But I haven't been doing a lot of that. I, I think the most I've been doing that, like the first project where I've actually been doing riveting mm -hmm. is on the, the gates I'm currently working at. Okay. I'm done riveting on like making trivets and really small things, but this is basically structural. Yeah. The rivets needs to hold quite a bit of weight on this gate yeah. without sagging and collapsing and doing weight yet. Sure. But what about, uh, what about yeah, Marcel and Jan, I'm interested. Actually, for me, I was going to say the same. Like when a client asks you to make something, they don't really, most of the time, they don't really know how this is made or what the process is. They just know the end results. Mm. Yeah. So I guess it's then my responsibility to explain like, there is a way that this used to be done or it, in my eyes, it's how it should be done. Mm -hmm. But you can, you can have the same thing by f just fabricating everything. You don't need to, sometimes you don't need to do it in a blacksmithing way. You can grind it and weld it and it would look exactly yeah. the same maybe. Mm. Um, but I try to steer my clients or explain to them why I, I enjoy doing things the way I do things. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, it's, it's without question, this is how I would do it. And most of the time they agree because they, they already like what I do. Yeah. Um, and they trust you. Yeah. And I guess maybe the only thing that could be an objection would be like the time and therefore the money. Yeah. Um, but that just depends on the client. If that's really an issue. But I really didn't really have this. Well, I, I've had jobs where it was like too expensive to do it. Yeah. Um, and then it's just a no. But if you have a client that you know, like, okay, they, they're serious about the project, mm -hmm. you can pretty much convince them in doing them, mm. doing the project in a way that is like, like it should be like, like mm. traditional or with, uh, yeah, exciting techniques or yeah okay just before jan goes may i ask how was the conversation about the gate you made the one with the whole three was that something specifically the client asked for or is that something you sold them on well this project it's uh it was a subsidized project so mm. the client was um, a private customer but the product was subsidized by um his local area because as I mentioned before, these gates are a regional, typical way of, of, of doing it. Um, and the region wants to promote these kind of projects to uh -huh. embellish the, the landscape. But that's specifically for this part of Belgium, right? Yes. So it's not common anywhere else in Belgium. Well, they are, they call it Kempensweken, uh, which is like the region and then the name of the gate. Okay. Um, but I'm sure you can find it in other places yeah. in Europe okay. as well. But 
they are proud of it that they, it, their region is known for it mm. um, and they have even printed um, a handbook on making these gates oh. mm -hmm. are just the history of it they have some examples on of old paintings where you can see these gates they have some technical drawings mm. and they describe uh, three types of these gates uh, the one with the whole three being the the biggest one okay um so that is where the design com came from it's not mine design it's uh hmm. it's a tried and tested um historical design from the region yeah. that's very cool yeah that's right hmm. yeah um for me now um like first of all like nothing i do is of i would say high skill <laughs> it's more for uh, purposes i don't agree i don't agree well, I, you've you've made a lot of stuff with resin and every single time i try to do something with resin i failed miserably yes so, um, so uh, i'm not saying that i'm i'm average skilled with resin but you know you know your your way yeah when it comes to, to i'm i'm now comfortable working with, it, with yes. resin hmm. and in the beginning so what i do is i try not to just use one skills in my projects but i seldom use more like two or maybe three mm -hmm. so what i basically do is um the, the way i select the things i do is because i want to like kind of learn something with the resin for example mm -hmm. but to mix it up and to get something that may that i'm comfortable in i for example when i use the miniature i paint the miniature yeah so there's miniature painting and then there's the like casting and resin part yeah so for me it's always um if i have something or the picture frame that where i blacksmith the holders for it and then there was like the wooden frame that i um used for it so a little bit of woodworking in there and i do that just if i try something at least one part of it i want to be it's kind of like feeling comfortable while doing it mm -hmm. but i then i have the luxury like i don't have to do it for anyone else yeah. i decided by myself so this mm. is how i usually mix it up it's the same with i'm, I'm pretty comfortable with um most electronics not yeah. the programming parts so and i'm not talking about like raspberries or arduinos or anything like that i'm more talking about the, how a circuit board works and um how based like the basic understanding of electronics yeah so when i cover coded something i cover coded the game boy because yeah. uh, and also did like the different modifications for it because i wanted to mm. yeah see that's interesting that you said the word confidence because it it looks like it's that's what it comes back to yeah. you can add skills and and um make your project more difficult more complicated more challenging for you or for your client so it, it often translates in more time and more money as as Marcel said but it's also more fun for you when you have the confidence to use those skills in the project and i found that very interesting because as a maker we as we grow our confidence as we acquire more skills our work and project more get more complex whereas marcel has to sometimes i i guess deal with already very difficult pieces to restore and therefore you you have to face the complexity of a project in order to make it justice and to to serve it well you you mentioned marketry uh, earlier 
um, I'm amazed every time I see a video about market trade because it's so complex, it's so delicate, it's so time consuming that I know that's not something that I would do mm-hmm. because I uh, know. Mm-hmm. But I I really appreciate it. There's there's this YouTube channel about a guy, a Japanese guy doing Japanese marketry, and it's absolutely insane to see all the steps that he has to to go through in order to create this little wooden flower shavings that he will he will put on 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 a box. And the box will just receive uh, paper tissues in the end. But the, the box is absolutely beautiful. And there is hundred, probably hundreds of hours mm-hmm. uh, in creating these boxes. And when you have to restore them, you are faced with the complexity of the initial project, which is, which maybe, uh, in my point of view, can be very scary. Is it, though? Yeah, a restoration can be scary because... If you fuck up, you can really fuck up. Fuck up. Yeah, I've seen the painting uh, on the church in Bra- Brazil, was it? The, the, oh, yeah, the Jesus one? The Jesus yeah, 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 that yeah. one. The lady who... The, there was, was a painting of Jesus, yeah. and the face was gone, and the old lady was like, ah, I'm going to do it. And she painted fucking <laughs> <like> smiling. <laughs> and, so and then there was Holy Stephen. <laughs> oh, damn, that was... Yeah, it's... it's uh, it's a big challenge. Uh, yeah, yeah. To me, it's very scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, usually when working with wood, you can fix if you do something wrong. But uh, at some point, I like broke a piece of glass. Yeah. And oh. it's, it's gone. It's not to be fixed. Yeah. Can you do ask ask uh, a, a craftsman, a glass blower in the area or somewhere in the world to make the exact same piece? Yeah, and, and then it would cost like ten thousand euros. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, etched glass. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. What do you do in that that case? Do you tell the well, client? Well, luckily this yeah, was fucked up. This was a, a client that was family of me, mm-hmm. so I could explain and I. I fixed it kind of as in it's still there, but mm-hmm. there's a big like cracks, like five star cracks going all across it. And mm-hmm. it has been like, this was a wooden door with uh, etched glass in there. Yeah. And at some point the glass was still in there and I was drilling and it, the drill bit just flew through the wood. Oh, because yeah. It was very hard to drill. And at some point the wood gave way. Yeah. And like the drill bit just, nick the, uh, the edge uh, of the glass and send uh, like five cracks all the yeah. way to the other side oh, so God. you improved it let's let's i said we could do um kintsugi on the glass yeah oh, but uh, we didn't do it <laughs> oh, yeah. that could have been cool though but i i did send it to uh, like okay i know glass restorers because in my school there was also a glass specialization mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I sent it to her. I drove to to Bruges uh, in a panic, mm-hmm. and then she tried to glue it, mm-hmm. and then she like she did it, but like it was like in maybe in six pieces, yeah. and you can glue the small piece to the big piece, and then the other. But in the end, you have two big pieces, yeah, and those are very hard to glue together because. You don't have a light piece that you can glue to something. You have two big heavy pieces, mm-hmm. okay. so it's more difficult. Yeah. So basically, I got it back in two big pieces, mm. 
and then I did the last gluing myself because I I made a, a custom U profile in iron frame to hold mm-hmm. it like a stained glass window to hold it yeah. together. Yeah. Then I glued it, glued it with UV activated glue, and then I routed a space in the wooden door to fit this new iron frame. Okay. And I redid the profile so it's in there, mm. still the glass, but there will always be like five giant cracks. Yeah. visible and luckily this was family so they were very understanding mm, okay um but if this would have been like a real client important because, client, then... because it's going to be a great story and they're going to remember it for the rest of their lives and mention <laughs> yeah. it every single time at every family this reunion is, <laughs> this is really horrible when when this happens like i couldn't believe it yeah, yeah. I was like this isn't real i was really in shock Do you have an insurance as a professional uh, restaurant? You know, yes. in case you fuck <laughs> for legal reasons, you have for to legal say yes. reasons, I say yes. <laughs> okay, but no, I do. Um, I explained already to to Rasmus. I I'm self-employed, but technically, I'm also not self-employed. Okay, because I'm a part of a a company. Uh, and for tax reasons, you can be an employee there, but you work okay. as if you are self-employed. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's something with the bureaucracy in Belgium, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but I work as if I am self-employed mm-hmm. and they provide me with insurance. Okay. Um, but there's always extra insurance you can, you can get. Mm. Sometimes you have to ensure certain works that come to your workshop. I've never really done it, but it's... Mm. When you have high-level projects, sometimes they need to be insured to leave the museum or leave the institution from where they are from. Okay. Um, so it is possible, um, but I for for now I'm still using my just regular work insurance. Okay. But you can get extra. And I bet it's pretty hard to put a price on the stuff you do because you basically need yeah. somebody. Yeah. That- but many of the, ob- the objects that I'm restoring, they also have a known value. Okay. Like they have been bought by the museum for this amount, mm-hmm. um, and most of them are. Some of them are already insured by the insurance of the owner, okay. um, so there is an actual monetary value assigned to them. Mm. Um, so in that case, it's easy. But when it's for per, um, private clients, or sometimes it's it's just guesswork. So okay, then it depends on your insurer. Last question before we wrap this up, because I, I think it, we are closing on, on, on one hour or something. Um, what, what's the, your favorite job to do when you are restoring something? Is that uh, painting furniture? Uh, is that forging new tools? Is that, what, 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 what is it? What I enjoy most doing yeah. of all things that I do. Yeah, that. Mm. Without drinking. <laughs> Actually, what I enjoy most doing that I, I don't really do at the moment But I, I, I would really love to have like a, a proper timber framing and wattle and daub building project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I made it, one of my videos is about a workshop that I did yeah. of timber framing with wattle and daub walls and shingle roof and everything. Yeah, um, no, that's the that's the uh, timber frames, but it's clay or dirt infilling. Uh, yeah. straw and clay or something yeah wattle and daub it's it's called 
Mm, yeah, that looked yeah. amazing. That, that's the words that I have I'm trying to troubles with. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's like a woven uh, sticks with a clay and straw and lime uh, mixture. Okay, yes, yes. That, I think that's maybe what I think of as very stereotypical German. Yes. But you also have it here. Yes. Yeah, okay. We have it too. Sorry? We have it too. Oh, yeah, in yeah. France also. Oh, like, I guess it yeah. just doesn't work. It's uh, just a yeah, European above to the Arctic uh, Circle, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need a lot of uh, trees for it also. Mm. So I would really love to do that. Um, so that I guess that would combine my um, woodworking and my blacksmithing kind of. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to rest restoration, I really love to do like typical 17th century uh, Antwerp uh art cabinets mm -hmm. yeah. um i've done several or two fully um and they're like the most extravagant piece of furniture you've ever seen um in flemish we say it's a prong 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 mobilier, which is like literally translated to it's a show of furniture yeah oh, mm -hmm. so and it's used uh, a lot for like cabinets of curiosity you, you keep special items in there you keep your jewelry in there you keep important papers in there but you could also keep like rare stones or stuff like that in there mm -hmm. and usually they are um like a pine wood base completely 100 uh, covered in veneer mostly of of ebony yeah. um with ivory inlay with turtle shell uh veneer with uh, gilded bronze fittings uh, with stone inlay. These are the most crazy with secret drawers. Yes. Um, yeah. I, if you see my business account, which is Marcelteus Restauracy in Dutch, um, you can <laughs> wow. see two of the ones that I did. Mm. Um, and we'll I put the links in the in the notes. Because, yeah, 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 I, I, I really love this that. kind of yeah. furniture. Okay, great. I think all furniture need more secret compartments. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes please. I've seen a guy making a, a game table on the internet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With so many things to do. You have to push and pull. Yeah. And there is a mm -hmm. uh, wand, magic wand that goes out. And so you can push open the, the drawer with a key inside. And mm -hmm. absolutely insane. It takes. 30 minutes to open everything, but yeah. wow, that was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the name of the account though, but I, I still have a big dream of one day being able to set aside a couple of months, it will probably take, and forge like, um, like a Nuremberg box or like this really complicated strong boxes with combinational locks, similar to Seth Gould did something mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. That's like super amazing where you have like this combinational secret thing of like, oh, you, you use one key, but you turn it first a little bit. Yeah. And then another, another thing pops up and you push on that and you pull on this and you hit with a hammer here. And then you push the key further down and you turn it the opposite way. And yeah, all of these interlocking things. And it's like, I, I want to understand how all of this goes together. Mm -hmm. And so I need to make one. Yeah. yeah. At, you do. At some point. But I also have one question for Marcel. Um, regarding the restoration or renovation part, what do you prefer? Like, what do you like more? Do you like the actual restoration part of something? Like, so you get something and you repair it and bring it back to its former glory, or do you more prefer the rebuilding something? 
So basically, you only have a few plans or drawings or something. Um, for example, like I think the Campenswagen. Uh, for example, you, you built that out of nothing. You had drawings, assumedly. So do you like having the freedom of doing something and giving it your like own idea of it, or is it more you like something that you have that's already started in front of you or yeah. that has been complete at one point? I guess because the example that I just gave the, the Antwerp 17th century art cabinets, mm -hmm. like I will never build one like that from, from scratch. Yeah. No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not planning to, no, no I, ambition. I never will. And it's okay. amazing to be able to work on something mm -hmm. as beautiful and as complicated um, as that. Mm. So, and I really love that. I, I love to touch it and feel the history that it it has lived for centuries all the people that have touched it in the past mm. so I, I for me it's really an honor to work on these great pieces of furniture sometimes um and you i can't get that from the things that i build myself i mean i love building things myself but it's different mm. yeah okay. um, so yeah maybe it's a hard, it's a hard to choose. Maybe it's apples and, and oranges, but mm. because restoration and creation, even though it sounds similar, it is yeah. it's it's quite different. Although the skills are are the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you, the, you like the intention is a lot different. Mm. Yeah. Like um, for restoration, we really focus on having the mindset of I'm not an artist or I'm not the artists. Mm -hmm. I, I, I cannot be creative. I have to do it as they did it. I yeah. cannot make it better than it was before. I cannot put my own spin on it. Mm. And like in, when I create stuff for myself, it's completely the opposite. Now I, I have the time to, to express myself. Uh, and this is maybe where the value of, of being a restorer or what is necessary to be a restorer is to, to let go. Because if you ask a craftsman to restore something, a lot of the times they still have the mindset of being a craftsman. I'm going to be creative. I'm going to make it the best I can do it. Hmm. Sometimes you have to dial it back a little bit to be a restorer um, and be careful not to change the authenticity of the object itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess I have to, sorry, decline your, your question and maybe <laughs> say that I cannot, I cannot choose between the two because they are two different and I love them both in a different way, I guess. That's, that's also an answer. That's great. Yeah. 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 Something to focus on? Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Red, do you want to start? Um, yes. If I um, just take. 10 seconds to find it back because it's somewhere in my um because it's the one you were in my last episode but <laughs> my last minute yeah exactly so <laughs> uh, i saw the notion that you changed things <laughs> yes i did and now i can't find it anymore damn it <laughs> uh, no um um i found a guy this this summer uh when i was losing time on the internet mm. um and actually um, Jan uh, mentioned the work that he did with the Game Boy, uh, yeah. with um, metal coating it. 
Electroplating? Electroplating, thank you. Mm -hmm. the, the word was running away from me. Um, this guy uh, made a tutorial on YouTube to how to electroplate um, 3D printed parts. Oh, and no. the result is absolutely phenomenal. It's, it, it, it looks like it was up from the get-go created uh, with metal. Yeah. I can't find the thing no, but I will. <laughs> um, but yeah, he has he has a full tutorial. You need a little bit of uh, material and tools in order to do it, but the process is is quite simple, mm. and the results are absolutely fantastic. So um, I will let you guys talk about your focus of the week, and uh, I will get back to you in a second, mm -hmm. <laughs> if, if I find it. So professional. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was not, I wasn't ready um, for this one. So go ahead, and, and if I find it up, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll just go next. Yeah, um, mine is well. I've been watching a lot of boat restorations, sailing stuff. Um, yeah, just uh, the itch of maybe getting away for a little bit. And um, <laughs> I stumbled across the channel um, Sailing Supernova today, a really small one with uh, six videos out and six thousand subscribers. And I really enjoyed that one because most of the renovation or restoration of boats that i watch uh, where they're like rebuilding they're buying an old boat and they're rebuilding it they're all like well it has to be perfect and they spent like one or two years on the hard and restoring everything and i think they went for almost well i think they went for some time but their first video is actually uh, i think a um putting together two years of the work they've already done and at one point they're like well it floats and we're never going to get sailing if we just stay here on the heart and try to get it perfect. So we're just going. Mm -hmm. So they have all of the shit on board and they just set sail and they go from, I don't know where they start. I think somewhere in Canada and they go up to Alaska first. Um, so there's six videos out already. And I thought it was hilarious and really cool of them because it's just that basically young couple and they decided, well, if we're going to stay here, we're never going to actually set sail yeah and um you see them repairing and working on it and it's not like they're doing that whole drama thing where they're going like oh my god it's broke we're gonna sink or anything it's just like well we got another leak uh let's see how we go about that <laughs> and by the way but before we do that let's go a little bit out with the dinghy and go boating and watch for bears so it's um it's really fun it feels well it's kind of, kind of those feel-good channels and it's interesting nice. to watch and it's the perfect mix between stuff they watch and stuff they go out to, uh, like, um, how do you say it? Like those day trips and yeah. also renovating on the boat at the same time. So it keeps it interesting from the technical making part. Nice. Yeah. Sounds very cool. So that's mine. Sailing Supernova. Cool. Marcel, did you have one? You go first. <laughs> Sounds like a soft no. Uh, the, uh, the band Arion that I'm going to see this weekend. I think cool. that's very, very well worth checking out, especially if you are a little bit into metal music. Mm -hmm. It's super cool to see and listen to what kind of a spectacle Adrian Lucasen can put together and all of the craziness that he crams into one single album. Uh, usually the albums are full stories that you listen to sort of <laughs> from start to finish. But I'll, I'll leave a link to a couple of good songs to start with and one album. 
Nice. I just need to confirm with Marius which one which one I'm allowed to recommend to people. <laughs> nice. Because he has very strong opinions. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. My turn? Yep. Okay, so I was gonna focus on Seth Gould, my favorite maker currently. Yeah. He's so amazing. But since you mentioned him already, maybe I can oh, I agree pick with someone no, else. No, that's fine. You can still mention him. Well, I did. Yeah. But then again, I'm <laughs> going to mention someone else as well. Oh, because okay. I just got a notification. And it is a, a British guy that um, he's like restoring a house in France. It's mm-hmm. called Rogers. Maybe you've heard of him. Um, he has a pretty big YouTube channel, I think. Mm. Um, but it's a little bit of what I do. He's restoring an old building. Um, but he's also creating new things. Um, uh, and it's uh, bigger projects like timber frame restorations. He also made a new staircase from scratch, which was very well built. And now he's doing like um, a shepherd's... Shepherd's hut kind of thing? Yeah, but on wheels. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think they're calling them shepherd huts. Yeah, a shepherd hut. So that's uh, completely new. So it's mainly woodworking, but there's restoration and new creation together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoy watching his stuff. So nice. why not check him out? Yeah. Which one is that? It's Carl Rogers. Carl Rogers. Okay. We will leave the normal links where people expect them. Hmm. Yes. Also to Seth Gould, because he just definitely deserves more attention. Who? Seth Gould. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Seth Gould is the best. Yeah. Um, Enedric. Enedric. The name of the guy is Enedric. With oh, yeah. H H E N 3 D R I K. That's the name of the channel. That was. <laughs> well done, you. Yeah. I'm very proud. Yes. <laughs> Any last little bits? What Not are two bits? Small extra things. Small extra things. Yeah. Okay. Like anything, yeah. last things you want to mention just at the end of the podcast kind of thing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks thank for you for being here. here. Yeah. yeah. And thank that's you for good. showing me around the city. You're welcome. Yeah. Marcel, and remember, can... don't feed him after midnight. Okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I won't. Fuck off. <laughs> I can feed myself after midnight. Mm, You'll see what say. happens then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can people find you they can find me everywhere with just my full name Marcel Teugels hmm. and Teugels is T-E-U-G-E-L-S yeah because you don't have the fancy uh, you spell it E-U yeah yeah. it's Flemish sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to get a hold of us collectively and also maybe maybe actually see the picture of me at the movie set that will mm-hmm. be at patreon.com slash two thirds focused and two thirds focused on any of the others, mostly social places. And I'm at Rasmus Lewin and Lewin And I'm at Red Smith on the Red Smith, everywhere on the internet. And you can find me at Jan Maxwell or Nerd Inventor. Wonderful. Great. Thank you, Marcel. Thanks, Thanks. Marcel. Yeah. Thanks, Marcel. And Have a great week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Wait, that's the other podcast. (laughs) It's fine.